Good morning, everyone, and it's so great to see uh, so many of you here this morning. Some of you, I haven't seen you in a while, so it's great to have you back today. We are so glad that you are here, and we're happy for those that are worshiping online as well. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited to see such a big choir here today. Isn't that awesome? I love it. So yesterday, uh, we had Camp Sumatongo Work Day. And between our two shifts, we had about 40 people show up. And I see some of the people uh, that work that are here right now. So uh, we want to thank them for a great Sumatanga workday. So we showed love to Camp Sumatanga, but now we're also going to show love to the Love Center. And for those who are not aware, it's a shelter in our community for women and children. Uh, we are going to be collecting for the Love Center Dawn soap, paper towels, toilet paper, dishwasher pods, and hand sanitizer bottles. And you can bring those on Palm Sunday or before or after, and we will be um, taking those to the Love Center. Speaking of Palm Sunday, that Sunday we will not be here in the sanctuary on uh, the 28th. We're going to be at the amphitheater at 10 a.m. Uh, for service out there. And I hear we even have some animals coming for the kids, which is going to be great. Uh, photo booth. And Pastor Sam, I heard there's going to be a food truck. You can't beat that. Um, we have an Easter egg hunt coming up on April 3rd from 10 to 12. It's going to be at the Casey's Farm. Catherine's working on that. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited. And if you don't have a child that you're bringing to it, you can come anyway and come watch the kids get their eggs. It's going to be a great time. Our Holy Week services are happening this year in person at noon in the sanctuary. I'm excited about that as well. And on Easter, sun, on Easter Sunday, we're going to have a sunrise service. Now that sunrise service will be online, but Bishop Deborah Wallace Paget is going to bring the message at that service. And then, of course, we're going to have our Easter services in person, too. Um, and lastly, I wanted to let you know we have the Sunday school classes, the Martin Fellowship and Pathfinders are both back in person. And if you don't attend a class and would like to, those two classes would love to have you join them in person. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful for so many things that are uh, going on in our community and in the church. Um, we pray right now that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please remain standing and join us in the affirmation of faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated except for our children. Our children need to go with Miss Catherine to Children's Church today. They always have a great time in there. I'm going to sneak in there one day and see what they do. I have a feeling that it's a lot of fun. I'm glad to see you today. I'm glad to see you in person. And I know that you're out there. I know that you're out there worshiping with us online, live streaming. If you are worshiping with us, if you'll say hello to us and greet us, we love to see stuff like that. We love to see your prayer requests too. If you have them, send them to us. You can comment in our comment section or you can send them to us by email, fumcgadston.org, and we will pray for you. We pray for each other. It's a privilege to be able to pray for our church family, and you're connected to us even if you're not here in person. We are looking forward to, you know, I heard somebody say today, I've had my shots so I can hug people again. It's exciting. It feels like, well, it feels like springtime. It feels like springtime. I want to just take a moment and mark that a year ago today is when everything shut down. Everything in our world, it seemed like, shut down. And we were scared and we didn't know what to do. And we have suffered. We've had loss. Um, in, in our own country, over half a million people have, have died because of this pandemic and millions of people around the world. People have lost jobs and businesses and people have despaired, but we are getting better. And it's like springtime and we can feel things blooming again. And it's like, it's like the resurrection. We're ready for the resurrection. It's gonna be a great Easter, y'all. I look forward to our uh, Palm Sunday service. We're all going to be together outdoors in the amphitheater. It's going to be wonderful. So we celebrate. I want to ask you to continue to support your church by doing things like we did yesterday, by giving your, your effort, you know what I mean, your, your, your sweat and your effort to help show love to Sumatanga by supporting your church with tithes and offerings. We're going to have an Alleluia offering again to do some special things this year at Easter. We love you and we love the fact that you support your church as we try to move forward in the kingdom of God. Let's pray together this morning. Oh God, we thank you for the beauty and the hope when spring comes and we see the blossoms and we see things that have uh, lain dormant for so long that are now springing back to life and that includes something inside of all of us. So God, thank you for being with us. We know that you have been at work in our lives and you have been sustaining us and you have been providing for us all along. We're so grateful to you for being our sovereign God and we're so grateful that you loved us so much that you sent your son that we might have eternal life, that all who look to him could have eternal life, Lord. We have deep needs in our hearts that we lift to you right now. And we trust you just like um, a child trusts a parent. We know that you love us and that you want what's best for us. 
So help us to let go and, and let you do what you need to do in our lives. Forgive us for where we failed you. Uh, Lord, heal our broken spots and, and just remind us again of how much you love us and how much you are with us each and every moment with every breath that we take. Teach us to pray the prayer, Lord, you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. goodness 
It's like every week. I, I just I think it can't get any better than it does. So thank you, thank you, choir. I appreciate that so much. Um, I want to just say a word as we get started about a Holy Week, which is coming up on us in a couple of weeks. We're going to have our noonday services from about 12:05 to 12:30. We won't eat afterwards, like like has been our tradition, just because uh, having a meal together is still not something that's that we're real comfortable doing. But we are going to have that service. We're going to live stream it, and we're going to have uh, have it open like we are today for in person. So, if you are if you can come by each day. Our speakers are going to be from our, our neighboring United Methodist Churches, speakers from Christ Central and from Rainbow City First and from Southside. So you will get this. We're having some, some local folks that are going to be joining us as our speakers this year. Thursday night, we'll have Maundy Thursday communion service at 6 o'clock, and we'll, we'll be streaming that, but we are going to be serving communion in person. And, um, and so that's a, just a special special time of Holy Week, and I hope that you'll join us for that. Today we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture from John chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 14 through 21. If you want to follow along at home in your Bible, or we're going to have the words on the screen for you, John chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... So must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their, e their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There are a lot of things that we take for granted, right, that we really shouldn't and maybe we've learned that over the last years, but we take a lot of things for granted that are super important. And one of those things is punctuation. Ah, you thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? Yeah, punctuation is important. It's important, and I just think it really can be a matter of life and death. You think I'm exaggerating. But let me just give you a couple of examples about how just putting a little comma in there can make a big difference. If you have the same words and you put the comma in the right place, everything's fine. If you don't, could be bad, could be bad. Let me give you an example. Let's eat children versus let's eat children. Okay, I'll give you another one. Um, and this was actually on the cover of a magazine. This celebrity chef gets her inspiration from cooking, her family, and her dogs. Versus this celebrity chef gets her inspiration from cooking her family and her dogs. I'll give you one more and I could give you a bunch more, but this is, this is just too much fun. And here's an example um, without the comma. Stop clubbing baby seals. Or with a comma. Stop clubbing baby seals. Can't you just see them in the little nightclub on the dance floor with their little flippers? Oh, I don't know. Could be life or death for baby seals, for children, for dogs. Today's message is entitled, Why Jesus? Now, if you put a comma in there, it makes the meaning just a little bit different. You have why 
Jesus. And so today we're going we're gonna to look at it both ways today. We're going to ask those questions and we're going to see the different shade of meaning that you get when you ask that question, why Jesus or why Jesus? Let's start by having it without the comma. And let's ask the first question, why Jesus for Nicodemus that night? You see, John 3.16 is so popular. I mean, it's, it's a part of pop culture. Do you remember back, I don't know how many years ago, at football games there was a guy that would have a rainbow wig on and he would get in the end zone right where you would kick the, the field goal where the camera would hit and he'd hold up a sign that said John 3.16. Does anybody mean to remember the rainbow hair wig guy, John 3.16 guy? Well, that's been, I mean, that's been years ago. You might not remember that, but... Tim Tebow has not been that long ago, and he used to put John 3.16 on, on the little eye black patches underneath his eyes. He'd put other verses on there too, but John 3.16. You know, everybody just about, even if you don't know anything else in the Bible, you might know John 3.16. It gets spray painted as graffiti on the side uh, of the interstate and different things like that. For God so loved the world. But everybody forgets that something was going on prior to John 3.16. There was a conversation that was going on between Jesus and this guy named Nicodemus who came to him at night. So who was this guy? Who was Nicodemus anyway? He was a very powerful Jewish leader. He was a, a Pharisee, one of the separated ones one of the most strict groups uh, of highly religious Jews in that day. And he was a member of the Sanhedrin, that, that ruling council made up of 70 members that, that decided not only on, on religious matters, but decided on civil matters as well. This is the group before whom Jesus would stand after he was arrested in the garden. Nicodemus was one of those guys. So why Jesus for Nicodemus that night? Why would, why would Nicodemus, this powerful guy, this highly educated man, come to a guy who was considered a rogue rabbi, a guy who was despised by most of the Pharisees, a guy who was highly criticized by almost all of the Pharisees? Why did he come to Jesus at night? Well, I don't know for sure, but I just think that Nicodemus had to know if this guy was for real or not. I think he, I think he wanted to know if Jesus was the real deal. I think he had heard about Jesus, his bold teachings and his miracles and his healings. The crowds of common people that were flocking to Jesus because they were bringing their sick relatives or because they just wanted to hear him and they heard that he received the common people and I think he just wanted to know the truth. That's what I think about Nicodemus. So why Jesus for Nicodemus? Well, because Jesus didn't just tell the truth. Jesus was the truth. And Jesus issued forth not just the word of God, but the healing of God, the light of God. The presence of God, the love of God, and people were drawn to Jesus. People are still drawn to Jesus, even if they're not drawn to the church. They're drawn to Jesus, who is the one we're supposed to be lifting up anyway. Why Jesus for Nicodemus? Well, why Jesus, another way to ask this is, why Jesus as opposed to some other way for God to communicate? We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. But why? Why Jesus? Why not some powerful angel who could appear in the sky with, with, with radiant light shining all around that would grab everybody's attention? Why not some prophet that, come, that would come back from the dead whose name everybody would recognize? Why not some other way? Why, why did God choose a little bitty baby born in human flesh 
to a couple that would raise him in Nazareth. Nazareth, of all places, a little podunk, nowhere town. Why would, would God come wrapped in human flesh, subject to getting sunburned, subject to all of the blood and the sweat and the tears that comes with being 100% human in addition to being 100% God, being subject to stumping his toe or hitting his thumb with a hammer when he was working in the carpenter shop or, I don't know, of having a gnat fly up his nose. Why Jesus? Why in the flesh? Because only Jesus could show human beings what it's like to be a human being the way God had in mind all along. Only Jesus could show us what it's like to face temptation and to face it victoriously. Only Jesus could show us the way. Only Jesus could do that. Only Jesus could lay down his life on the cross for us. Only Jesus could defeat death, hell, and the grave and rise again victoriously on Easter Sunday morning. Only Jesus could do that. That's why Jesus. So now let's insert a comma in between there and see what that does. Why, Jesus? Why, Jesus, were you crucified? Jesus talks about something that sometimes we kind of skip over it. Verses 14 through 18, he talks about a story that happened in Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 21, a story that, I don't know, we might be in a hurry to get to John 3, 16, but let's don't skip over it because Nicodemus would have been highly attuned to this story from the Jewish tradition from the Old Testament. It's a story about when the Israelites were led out of Egypt by Moses. Remember, God brought them and delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. And they were in the wilderness and they were going around. And they were grumbling and complaining and griping. And they were saying, why did you bring us out? They were complaining against Moses. Why did you even bring us out of Egypt? If we're just going to die here in the wilderness, we could have died back in Egypt. And we had plenty to eat back then and plenty to drink. We had, oh my goodness, we had onions and leeks and uh, all of this kind of stuff. And we had, well, we were slaves, but at least we had plenty to eat, you know. And they were just complaining. And God and this gives me the heebie-jeebies, y'all. But God sent poisonous snakes among them that bit them. The very, look, the very first time I saw a snake coming in, I would be running to repent or, or whatever because I just, I can't even imagine snakes all over the place biting people. And after a while, the people ran to Moses and they said, Moses, do something. Pray to God for us. Have God get rid of these snakes. And so God prayed. Uh, I mean, Moses prayed to God, and God told Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a, a bronze image of a snake. I want you to make a bronze snake and put it on a pole and lift the pole up and tell the people that all they have to do is look at the bronze serpent. And if they look at the bronze serpent, they will be healed. That's all they had to do. So, some did. Some did. You know, it required a little bit of faith because, let's be honest, it sounds crazy. It, it sounds like less of something you would want to do you know, if, if we had to vote on something and they said, okay, we could make a bronze snake and put it on the pole, or we could all find sticks and start killing these snakes around. I would have voted for getting the sticks and killing the snakes. Or, or, or maybe, you know, we could, we could do that, or we could come up with a homemade snake bite recipe and something like that. But no, none of that. Not, not even climbing up. They didn't have to climb up the pole to get away from the snakes. 
All they had to do was look to what God provided. Look to the bronze snake. Look to what God, by God's grace, provided. And some did. And they were healed. And some didn't. Which brings me to the next why Jesus, with a, with a comma in there. Why, Jesus, are some people condemned? I think John three seventeen is critical here. Uh, it doesn't get as much attention as its neighbor, John three sixteen, but it's so important. Listen to it again. It says, indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that, that, that the world might be saved through him. So why, Jesus, are some people condemned? It's not because God sent Jesus to condemn them. You see, I think we sometimes get a picture in our mind of God that is not the right picture. I think we sometimes get a picture, something that looks more like Zeus, right? Some, some big figure with a long white beard with thunderbolts in each hand. And, and so, you know, if that's our vision of this angry God ready to throw thunderbolts down, then Jesus would, by extension, be one of the thunderbolts that, that God throws to the earth to condemn, to condemn us. But John 3.17 says... No, that's not right. It's not right. God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but to save it. It was the love of God that inspired the gift of God. And the gift of God is salvation in Jesus Christ. So that being said, I'll ask it again. Why, Jesus? Are some people condemned? Is it because they were predestined before the beginning of the world to be condemned? That's what some traditions have said, and I don't mean to criticize them. It's just that we Wesleyans don't believe that way. To us, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't jibe. It doesn't connect with the love of God. Because love is something that we know you, you have to have a choice to not love somebody or to love somebody or it's not really love. And it doesn't really even jibe with the story that Jesus told from Numbers 21 because the people had a choice to, to look at the bronze snake or to not look at the bronze snake. And if they chose not to look at the bronze snake and they chose instead to die of their snake bite, that was on them. Faith takes a little bit of, it takes a little bit of courage and you have to kind of take a step. And so just Moses said, just, just look at the bronze snake, just but some chose not to. I don't know why. I don't know why you would choose not to do that. I don't know why you can lead a horse to water and you can't make him drink. Do you? I don't know why people will run away from the very thing that they need. I don't know why people would rather die in the darkness than walk to the light. I don't know why. All I'm really sure is that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus that those who look to him by faith, not having to climb their way up to him, just look to him by faith, not depending on their own intellect and talent and smarts, just looking to him, just looking to him. Max Lucado wrote a book several years ago called God Came Near. And in this book, he says this. He says, Christianity in its purest form is nothing more than seeing Jesus. 
And Christian service in its purest form is nothing more than imitating him who we see. Seeing him. And then imitating him who we see. He tells a story in this book about a guy named Bob Edens. And this guy who, first 51 years of his life, he was blind. He, um, he could hear, he could see. He, I mean, he could hear, he could taste, he could smell, he could touch. But he didn't see anything. He's blind. And somehow, over the course of his lifetime, um, the surgical technique developed and this surgeon did an operation on his eyes and now for the first time in his life 51 years old he could see can you imagine he says Bob said I didn't know how yellow yellow was I didn't know that you could see the shape of the moon or the stars that twinkle at night I didn't realize how much I love the color red I didn't know that you could see trace of vapor trail across the sky from where a jet went. He, all of these things he's experiencing. He's seeing. He was blind and then he can see. But you and I know there's more than one kind of blindness. And sometimes something can be right in front of us and we can still not see it. Isn't that right? There's an old saying, there are none so blind as those who will not see. You ever heard that one? I, I looked that up. I, I think I Googled it. And I, I, I wanted to see who was the first one to say it. And, and some, some traced it back to 1738 to a guy named Jonathan Swift. And some said 1713. Some said 1546, which is way back yonder. But, you know, I think it actually probably goes back more like to the 6th century B.C. When Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 5.21, Hear this, O foolish, senseless people, who have eyes but do not see, who have ears but do not hear. So why, Jesus, are some people condemned because they just won't look at what's right in front of them? They, they will look to the meaning, uh, other things to give them meaning and fulfillment in life, look to their work, look to their hobbies, look to their possessions, to their own virtue, fame, fortune, whatever but not to the light and the life of God and the love of God right in front of their face. Why, Jesus? Okay, one last why, Jesus. Why, Jesus, for you? Why, Jesus, for me? Because he is light and life to all who look for him. The love of God open to everyone who looks to him. Let's pray. Lord, how can we thank you enough for providing for us that which we need more than anything? That which forgives our sins, that which heals our brokenness, that which opens the way to God that gives us a life that can only be described as eternal. We don't know why you love us that much, but we sure are thankful. And we don't want to miss what's right in front of us. So Lord, may every one of us, may everyone who is worshiping with us online, may all of us Look to you. Just look to you. Look into the face of love. And be healed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn today is, My faith looks up 
to thee. My faith looks up to thee. It's 452 in the hymnal, but it's going to be up on the screen. I want to ask you to stand together as we sing this closing hymn. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit go with us all now and forever. Amen.